Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special Christmas message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of Hallmark. The Hallmark Gospel is a smorgasbord of everything. The Hallmark version is most popular, but not most true. So I thought we would look at the Christmas story together this morning from two different locations. I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, then we'll look at the other one just a little bit later. But Matthew chapter 1, I've titled this sermon, in case you're interested, The Wonder of Christmas Matthew chapter 1, and then we'll look at another location um, a little bit later. We'll try to put the Christmas story together for you so you can kind of see it all together as we look at, uh, discuss Matthew and Luke, we find the Christmas story. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, saints, and we pick up in verse 18. If you're looking at verse 18, say amen. amen. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to, who saints? Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of who? The Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. But that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name, who saints? Jesus, for he will do what? Save his people from their sins. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. I think the Christmas story is arguably the most beautiful story ever written. Some say the Easter story. Um... I think that's true. I think actually both are beautiful, beautiful stories. And largely because both stories are true. Uh, Were you with us on Wednesday night? If you've been here on Wednesday night, if you're not coming to Wednesday night, you are missing a blessing on Wednesday night. Where my Wednesday night people at? You're missing a blessing, aren't you? A round of applause. Where my Wednesday night people at? Where my Wednesday night? Uh, That's a good number of you then you are missing a blessing. Wednesday night, we just get in the Word. It's a nice, intimate environment, although a lot of people, it still feels kind of intimate. And Wednesday night, we were talking about Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, and I have it for you on the screen. I want you to read it with me. Will you do that? And I want you to read it like you mean it. Can you do that? Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. Come on, let's read it together. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, 
receive the adoption as sons. In the fullness of time, we talked about on Wednesday night, the words fullness of time means at just the right time, when time was ripe like fruit. Politically, culturally, and socially, Jesus came into the world. And also, the, 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 the fullness of time means when God sent in the fullness of time Gabriel to a town called Bethlehem on the other side of the tracks to a virgin girl named Mary. And this is the first time we hear from Gabriel in 500 years. The last time we heard from Gabriel was in Daniel chapter 8. Perhaps you want to write that down and read the story in your own time. Daniel chapter 8. Daniel has a vision about a ram and God gives um, uh, Gabriel the, gives the interpretation of that vision. And 10 years later, Gabriel appears again and tells Daniel one of the most astounding, accurate prophecies in all of the Bible that Jerusalem would be rebuilt and gives the exact number of days that the Messiah would come riding into Jerusalem. So here in the Christmas story, it's been 500 years since we last saw Gabriel and he shows up looking as fresh as ever. You put it together with Luke chapter one. Just write it down. Don't turn there, but put it together. Put the Christmas stories together with Luke chapter one, verse 13. Gabriel shows up to Zechariah and he tells Zach that God heard his prayer. He's been praying for a son. You know that God was going to give him a son. Anybody know Zechariah's son name? John who? John the Baptist. There's other Johns. John the Baptist. And then God sent Gabriel to the city of Nazareth to a virgin who's engaged to a man named who? I can't believe everybody in this room didn't say that name. I'm going to try that again. Y'all must need coffee. Y'all need coffee? We'll have them bring it right in. (laughs) No, we won't. God sent Gabriel to the city of Nazareth to a, vi- to, to a virgin who's engaged to a man named who? Thank you. Gabriel comes to Mary and says in Luke 1.28, rejoice, highly favored one. Now listen, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The word highly favored means greatly graced, overflowing grace. The word highly favored is used one other time in the New Testament. And guess what? It's used in connection with the believer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, we are accepted, or that word accepted means highly favored in the beloved. So Gabriel shows up and he says, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, Luke 1, 28. And when Mary heard this, she was troubled at the saying, and she couldn't believe the words that were coming out of his mouth, that she would be the mother of God, that she would call him Jesus, Jehovah is salvation. It was at that time that Mary began to ask some biological questions like, how can this happen? I've never been intimate with a man. Isn't it interesting that Mary's first question to the angel is questioning the virgin birth? And how many people today question the virgin birth? Many so-called ministers do not believe in the virgin birth. Did you know that? Many so-called ministers Do not believe in the virgin birth. Many so-called ministers do not believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus from the grave. Many so-called ministers don't believe in the inspired word of God. 
and yet they say they believe in Jesus. Listen, if you don't believe in the virgin birth and you don't believe in the resurrection, then you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible because the Jesus of the Bible was born of a woman whose father was of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness somewhere? Is somewhere in here a witness? (laughs) Whose father was the Holy Spirit. Now, this is important. And you ask me why I'm making an issue of it. Well, because it's important. Because our salvation rests on it. If Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then his death was good for nothing. If Jesus was born of two human beings, he doesn't, that doesn't make him a savior. It makes him a martyr. On the other hand, if he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, then he was sinless. And his death on the cross actually had the power to forgive. Can somebody say amen? I'll wait while you clap your hands. So the angel tells Mary she's going to be the mother of God. Mary gets out of town quick, goes to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Mary walked in the house and greeted Elizabeth and Zacharias and, 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 and John the bee jumped in her womb. And Elizabeth said, Mary, when John the bee heard your voice, he jumped in my stomach. Elizabeth said, blessed are you among women. Well, that's all the confirmation Mary needed. Now she can see that God is going to do an awesome thing. He's about to change the course of human history in the next three decades will be the most important 30 years of all time. Now put yourself in Mary's sandals for a minute. Mary is approximately 15 to 17 years old. She knew people would talk about her. She's pregnant. This is a teenage pregnancy. And she knew people would talk about her. She knew her friends at high school would talk about her. Okay, maybe she wasn't in high school. But think about what people would say. And then she has to tell Joseph. And she says, uh, Joe, um, I got some good news and bad news. Which one you want first? <laughs> you see, I want, I'm a bad news person. I'm a bad, we're my bad news people first. Bad news people first. We're bad news people. I right, raise your hand nice and high. see how many I got in here. I ain't got that many, y'all. We outnumber. I want the bad news first. See, I want the bad news first because ain't no place else to go but up. Amen. Anybody want to convert to the bad news first? Because <laughs> if you get the bad news last and then get the good news first, then, then you just go down and you know where else to go. But you're like a bummer now. I mean, I don't know. So I'd rather have the bad news first. So, Joe, I got some good news and some bad news. And uh, Joe says, okay, give me, the, give me the bad news. I'm pregnant. And Mary says, well, there actually isn't any good news. And um, (laughs) if you're not the father, uh, the Holy Spirit is. And she knew the community would mock her. So her friends would talk about her and the community would mock her. And her mom and dad would doubt her. And Joseph would possibly leave her. And then put yourself in Joseph's sandals for a minute. Joseph is just a common, regular, blue-collar carpenter. You know, we often see Joseph in the carpenter shop, in the wood shop, don't we? I was watching something yesterday, I don't know what it was, and Joseph, they had Joseph milling about and meandering in the, in the wood shop with the wood stuff, you know, items, wood items, making things out of wood. And, um, and that's the way we normally see Joseph, but listen, in Jesus' day, a carpenter had a wide range of tra- trades. He could have easily worked with metal. He could have been a stonemason. Either way, Joseph would have had strong shoulders and calloused hands. 
He had a respectable place in society, but not on the higher rung of society. Mark chapter 6, verse 3, they had a problem with Jesus, remember? Because they said with raised eyebrows, isn't this the carpenter's son of Mary and brother of James? So we learn that Jesus' earthly father wasn't a rabbi or a scribe or a civic leader. He had two qualifications. He was a descendant of David, and he is probably most importantly, God's choice. Matthew 1.19 in our text tells us he was a just man. Not just a man, but a just man, a righteous man, which means if you're taking notes, you write this down. He was a man of temple and a man of the Torah. He was a man of temple and Torah. The whole situation was embarrassing for Joseph as well for Mary. Imagine your fiance gets pregnant with another man's child during your engagement and you're not the baby's daddy. Things of fe- he's feeling betrayed, feelings of betrayal and embarrassment and, and humiliation. Joseph is thinking, how can I put her away without bringing embarrassment? And while he's thinking, the angel appeared to him in the dream. Are you listening? The angel appeared to him in the dream and said, the child that Mary has conceived is from the Holy Spirit. And he said, Joseph, you're going to have a son who will save his people from their sins. And you're going to name him Jesus. And Joseph. You're going to be the father of a baby boy. And I'm sure Joseph is just like any other man, wondering what his son will grow up and become. Perhaps, maybe Joseph is thinking he'll grow up and he'll be a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl. Or maybe he'll be ingenious like Mark Zuckerberg. Or maybe he'll be the next Billy Graham or the next Chuck Smith. You guys know who Robin Williams is, yes? Robin Williams said this, he was excited about the birth of his son. And then he said, you know, sometimes I have this vision that my son will be this great man who will become the president of the United States someday. And then I also had this dream of him saying, you want fries with that? (laughs) Joseph is like any other dad who has hopes and dreams for his kids. Who would think God would choose a carpenter and a virgin girl? Who would think that God would come into the world as a little baby? Doesn't that tell you that God doesn't do things like we do? Doesn't that tell you that his ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Who can know them? Who would ever think that God would bring a baby into the world through a virgin and a carpenter? The God baby, might I add. This boy child will be greater than Zwingli and Luther and Graham and Smith and Zuckerberg. This baby will save men from their sins. The baby will be called Jesus and he will be the wonder of Christmas. Which brings me to my second verse I want to take you to. Perhaps you want to turn there in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. I have it for you on the screen and you can look at it there as well. As a matter of fact, why don't we read it together? We'll spend the remainder of our time in this verse. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Uh, Y'all come on, read this verse with me and read it like you mean it. You ready? For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful The Prince of Peace. Now, you got a pen? I'm going to give you eight characteristics regarding the wonder of Christmas from this verse. Eight characteristics regarding the wonder of Christmas. Number one, for unto us a child is born. Write this down. That speaks of his humanity. 
Number one, a child is born, speaks of his humanity. Jesus was 100% God, and he was 100% baby. And Jesus was like any other normal baby. You know, I think sometimes we think Jesus was like different than normal babies because he was Jesus. And we think, you know, he wasn't like a normal baby. He was God. Listen, he was God. And he was extraordinary. Uh, And he wasn't really ordinary, but he was just like any other baby. I mean, he cried like baby, babies cry, and he got thirsty, and he got hungry, and Jesus needed a diaper change just like any other baby. And I'm sure Jesus cried in the middle of the night. And Mary probably woke up and said, Joe, you need to, it's your turn to get up with him. You need to go get up. Check on him. Jesus had a full range of emotions. He would spit up on you like any other baby. Amen. Say amen. It's true. I'm sure Jesus would grasp a finger held out to him like any other baby. If you had a beard or a goatee, Jesus would probably pull it like any other baby. Because isn't that what babies do? I used to have a goatee and a beard. And I used to hold babies like this and they would pull it. They'd grab onto it and I'm like, this is a cute little baby. So then I started holding babies out here. I learned that, you know. Because babies will pull it. Jesus took months to learn to crawl and to walk and to speak. He was completely dependent on his parents. Point number two, unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. Write this down. It speaks of his deity. A son is given speaks of his deity. And some people suggest that the incarnation, that word incarnation is just a fancy word, meaning that God took on flesh. Some people suggest the incarnation was a subtraction that when he took on humanity or he took on flesh, that he lost his deity. Listen, the incarnation was not a subtraction. The incarnation was not a division. In other words, when Jesus took on flesh, he wasn't half man and half God. The incarnation was an addition. Jesus added humanity to his deity and a son was given. Did you get that? A child is born, speaks of his what? Come on, say it with me. Speaks of his humanity. A son is given, speaks of what? His deity. He was a son of God from eternity. Think about that. Heaven opened itself up and placed its most precious one in a human womb. And in an instant, the omnipotent one became a microscopic embryo. And the one who sustains the world with the word of his power became dependent on a little girl to feed him. A son was given. S.D. Gordon, who's a theologian, said, Jesus is God spelling himself out in a language that man can understand. He was fully man baby and fully God baby. Somebody say amen. And while Jesus, I need more than that to say amen. Somebody say amen. And while Jesus was an ordinary baby, He was an extraordinary baby because this baby was special. He was the son of God. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And look at this. And his name, number three, his name. Names are important to God. In Genesis, God called the light day. God called the darkness night. There was evening and morning. And God called it the first day. God called the expanse sky. And God called the dry ground land. And he called the water seas. Are you listening? 
And God called it good. God is into names in the Bible. Names often relate to some aspect of one's birth. Calvary Chapel, help me out. Isaac means what? Just yell it out. Laughter, very good. Jacob means what? Supplanter or deceiver or um, heel catcher. Uh, Moses means what? Drawn out. You didn't know? Write it down. Isaac means laughter. Jacob means deceiver. Moses means drawn out. Names and titles often relate to some aspect of a person's life or character. For example, Alexander, come on, help me, y'all. Alexander the Great. William the Conqueror. Don't we know that? Don't y'all know that? I guess you don't. William the Conqueror. Simon the Zealot. John the... Ooh, thank you, Jesus. John the Baptist. His name is Jesus the Savior. Someone calculated that there are 365 names or titles given to the one whose name is above every name. Acts 4.12, memory verse, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no, uh, are y'all listening? For there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Were you here with me last week? Nick, you must be born again. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In other words, you cannot be saved apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. You must be born again, and you must come through Jesus. There's no name like the name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? No name like the name of Jesus. And all this hoopla about Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and all of this, listen, all of this is because even the devil trembles at his name. Even the world knows that there is power in the name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. There's something powerful in that name. Somebody once said it's the sweetest name I know. There's something powerful in the name Jesus. Jesus. Think about it. Jesus. Something powerful when you say Jesus. Not Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus. It's a sweet name, something powerful and gentle and yet powerful in that name. No other name like the name of Jesus. Rodney. That's a lovely name. Lovely name. Mike. Pete. I see my friend Petey. Pete. I mean, I like you, Petey, but ain't nothing powerful about your name. And uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jack. Nothing powerful than anyone. When you say the name Jesus, and even the world, see, all the hoopla about Merry Christmas and, and, and Happy Holidays is an attempt to take the name Christ out of Christmas because there's something powerful in the name of Jesus. Just to mention it, people get upset about it. 
Even in the office place, you guys know you work there. You, you can talk about Harry Krishna, and you can talk about uh, Muslims, and you can talk about uh, Muhammad and anything. But as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, does anybody know what I'm talking about? As soon as you mention the name of Jesus, it's like, hold on now, wait a minute, we're going to talk about Jesus now. We're going to talk about all that religion stuff. And all, blah, blah, blah. But you can talk about anything else, but you can't mention the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in that name. And that's why people are trying to get his name out of Christmas. Do you know that there are grassroots Christian organizations all over the country to keep the Christ in Christmas? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Hi, this is Pastor Rodney from Salt and Light. The holiday season is arguably the busiest time of year. Meals to prepare, gifts to buy, guests to receive, decorations to be set up, cards to send, and long lines to endure, and the list goes on. May I encourage you to spend time with the Lord and His Word? During these busy times, you'll find that spending time with Jesus will calm the chaos and steady your focus. Because remember, Jesus truly is the reason for the season. May you and yours have a Jesus-filled Christmas and a blessed new year.